Good evening and welcome to episode 86 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. It's a Friday edition of the show. The nice thing about long weekends is that the week goes by so quickly. And of course, we've got your daily dose of the Private Property Podcast, where we're talking all things property. And this evening, we're talking about one of those things that I'm sure a lot of us know a lot about. Uh, Perhaps some people have been quite overwhelmed about, and that is, of course, debt. We'll be exploring the five steps for getting out of debt when looking to buy a property. It certainly is one of those things that you're going to have to learn how to uh, master in terms of debt management and really creative ways of using debt if you want to get into property. But of course, if you do have quite a substantial amount of debt and are feeling quite overwhelmed with it, that may probably hinder your property uh, acquisition ambitions. And this evening, we're going to be tackling exactly that because we certainly do understand that a lot of people want to take advantage of these historically low interest rates but unfortunately may not be able to do so right now because of the amount of debt they're into. One of the big advantages of these historically low uh, you know, interest rates is that you're also able to pay off your, it's, it's actually a great opportunity to pay off your debt quicker because of course the interest rates are also lower on the debt that you're currently servicing. But before we get into that conversation, remember we have been running that uh, Women's Month competition where we're going to be awarding a lucky winner and the woman that they nominated uh, that prestigious prize and you did enter. Uh, we certainly wanted to hear your stories of love, courage and strength uh, nominating a woman in your life, whether it is your sister, your spouse, your mother. And we've been, you know, reading through some of the great entries that we've received and we certainly do enjoy hearing from you at home. We'll be announcing the lucky winner at the end of the show. So do stay tuned to find out who walks away that with that 1000 and cash prize. And the woman that they nominated also will walk away with that 1000 around cash price and as I said we've been inundated with you know so many uh, you know, messages about the women in your lives that we've also decided to award one gig of data to other uh, people who participated in this competition. We have to wait until the end of the show to find out how many people as well as who the winners are. But to get started with this evening's conversation, we are talking debt and the ways that getting out of debt or the five steps rather for getting out of debt when looking to buy a property and help us better navigate how to do so. I'm joined this evening by Uklagani Pondombela, who is the co-founder of Ndombela Properties. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. Hi Zama, hi, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I do hope we'll be able to help the viewers at home navigate their debt journey this evening. Um, and I think, you know, when we talk about debt, it can be one of those very daunting things that can be very intimidating. I think even when probably we individually um, think about when we acquire debt, chances are a lot of people probably got it either when they were at varsity or just when you got out of varsity and started working and you can go to a store or even a bank and sometimes get, uh, you know, quite a, quite a substantial amount of credit uh, extended to you. Sometimes it's more than what you probably even earned. And there's so many offers and a part of you thinks, oh, wow, okay, I've made it. I now have this credit card or this bank loan or this overdraft facility and all these different stores are even offering me various deals. 
And it probably does seem quite enticing, but it's so easy to you know, fall into the debt trap and then struggle to get out of debt. And chances are a few years down the line, you're now thinking on to you know, buy my first property. And of course it does probably hinder quite a lot of people. So from Rears at Home, I certainly want to you know, hear from you about your debt journey. What were some of the things that you did to get out of debt? Were you ever in a situation where you got into quite a substantial amount of debt and it hindered your chances of getting a property or any other um, you know, asset that you wanted to acquire in the future. But let's start with then the first step that viewers at home need to take when they want to get out of debt. I think the, the most important thing for us to understand as well, just to add on what you're saying is that there's a difference, there's a clear difference between having money and having access to money because that debt is having access to money, but it doesn't really mean it is your money. And that is a, that's a, a mistake that most people make is thinking that that access to cash, like it's actually your money, right? But getting into the first step, it's a matter of understanding your debt, understanding and being honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and actually understand the different types of debts you have, how much you owe on that debt, what is the interest rate on those different types of debt and actually put it down on a piece of paper or on your laptop, however you prefer to do it, but actually map it down so you can actually see it. This is a step that most people don't do because um, especially if they have a lot of debt, because it is it is tiring, like it might demotivate you when you're actually having a look at all the debts you have and thinking, yo, hey, you know, you're thinking this is so much debt, I don't even earn this amount of money on a monthly basis. And unfortunately, this is the first step that you need to do. Actually look at all your debts. How much do you owe? What are the interest rates on what you owe? and map it all out so that you can see it, understand it, so that you can actually plan on how to pay it back. You know, Gagani, you're actually touching on something that uh, I, I don't know. It's certainly a lot of us who may have had debt before, maybe managed to get out, probably did not do, is when you look at then the part where you're looking at the interest rates, because you might have, let's say, three different stores account, maybe you have one credit card, uh, maybe you've also got a personal loan, maybe even a, an overdraft facility, but you mm. tend to not look at what the interest rates um, on those respective, um, I'll say, uh, debts are. Perhaps take us through the importance of doing that, because some people might just think, look, I have 5,000 here, 10 here, maybe seven here, and not actually look at the interest rate being charged on those respective debts? Well, the interest rates is actually, it's basically the amount that you're paying back to the bank. Well, it's the, the amount the bank is charging you for you borrowing money from them or whatever institution it is that you owe money to for whatever reason. And the reason why it's important for you to look at the interest rates is because they differ across all boards. So the different types of loans that you have will have attached different interest rates that you have. And when you are trying to pay back your, your debts, you would like to save on interest and save on as much interest as possible. So having a look at the interest rates, um, having a look at the interest rates will guide you to say, okay, which loan should I pay off first? Should it be my personal loan or should it be my credit card? Should it be my store card? Whatever, but it will basically guide you, I believe, to help you understand which debt is the one that is costing you the most. And, and let's then look at, you know, the second thing that we should then prioritize. So we now understand our debts. We've mm -hmm. written down the various debts we have, the outstanding balances and, you know, the respective um, interests on the, on the different debts. 
What's the next step that we need to do when looking into getting out of that debt? I believe it's a, a two-part two part step to this. Um, the first thing you need to do is to have a look back a few months. So I believe that maybe drawing up uh, bank statements, three months bank statements, uh, different statements for the different loans that you have. Um, but definitely the, the bank statements is of high importance as well, because when you drop your bank statements, you'll actually be shocked at what you're spending your money on. So you know that you're in debt and you know that you should be paying off your debt, but actually pull your bank statements and see what you're doing with your money. Actually have a look at what are you doing with your money? Are you actually making an active effort and making the best effort you could possibly make to pay off your debts? Or are you hoping to pay off your debt somehow by making the minimum payments per month. In some cases, you're not making the minimum payments per month because you are maybe irresponsible with your money and your bank statements will highlight that to you when you actually go through it and circle the items that, um, circle the items that you believe you could live without. So circle the items where you think this was a waste of money. I believe circling those items, making a separate list of those items and then stick that list up on your wall so that you know these are the things that I should stop doing. You should definitely stop doing them because then you can reallocate your funds elsewhere. And then the second part of that step, the second part of that step, I believe, is to actually track your spending going forward now. Because now you've had a look at what you need to stop doing, but are, how do you keep yourself accountable as to whether you really are not buying whatever items are on that list anymore? You need to be able to track that going forward. And we, as human beings, we we always forgive ourselves and give ourselves cheat days and all of that, but you need to find a way to manage that. And how do you do that? By actually looking for, there are certain apps that can help you, that can help you to track your spending and you can set up a budget on that app. And then as soon as you, you reach your limit on that, on whatever your budget it is, it will actually give you a notification to say, hey, you said you're spending, you plan on spending 2,000 rands a month on food you have now reached your limits of 2,000 rands on food. So things like that will help you to manage your spending going forward as well. And, and you know, you started off with mentioning the importance of literally getting your bank statement and going through it one item at a time. We probably underestimate that exercise so much, uh, especially now because we live in a swipe-based world. Uh, so if we're not tapping and going, we're suddenly buying things online and we don't get a sense of just how much money is going through our account because we don't, yeah. uh, we're not very conscious when you're kind of, you know, tapping away and swiping away. Whereas it's, it's often slightly different when you're paying cash. So I know some people are like, you know what, maybe certainly not now during the times of COVID, but certainly pre-COVID, one of the things that, uh, you know, some people would suggest is, let's say in the week, you know, you spend 2,000 rands and let's say that 2,000 is on like the bread and the milk and even petrol, they'll say literally draw out 2,000 rand for the everyday kind of food that you're buying in the house. Um, so that when that 2,000 rand runs out, you know you're out of money. So you're not going to want to spend other money because it's now physically gone. So you're not swiping it away. And there's a psychological thing that happens when you're physically taking a 200 rand note and paying for something, you know, there's always that joke of the moment you cut a 200 rand note, because it just finishes often within a matter of hours. So I think it's really one of those. It literally is. I mean, you you you, you think it's, it's a lot of money, but the moment you even buy like one thing that's 10 rands, you've got 190 
by the end of the day, chances are you'll have used that full 200 grand note, which is quite a lot of money in the grand scheme of, you know, understanding your finances and certainly paying off your debt um, as, as efficiently as possible. To viewers at home, we are seeing your questions and comments. We will be addressing them after the short commercial break that we're going to take. But before we get there, and let's go to the third thing that viewers at home um, need to do in when they want to be getting out of debt. So I believe once you've now understood your debts and you've had a look at how you plan on spending, um, how you, have you been spending and how you plan on changing your spending habits going forward, you should now choose a payment method, uh, choose a repayment method in terms of how are you gonna start to structure your repayments to your different institutions. As, as a minimum, you need to make um, the minimum payments on all your loans, on all your debts. If you're struggling with that, I believe that it's a conversation that you should have with your respective lender to say, hey, listen, these are my minimum payments. However, I'm unable to make those payments. So have the conversation with them as a starting point. And some people may be in a more privileged position where they are able to uh, pay off the minimum payments on all their debts. But you need to now start thinking of how are you going to actually do it? Are you going to pay off your highest interest uh, first or are you going to pay off the lowest balance first? Because it's actually been um, it's actually been proven that if you for people who are choosing to pay off a balance that is higher, they are less likely to to actually finish paying off their debts on the scheduled time that they had planned to, to finish paying off their debts. And people who choose to pay off the debt that is a lower balance, they tend to um, they tend to pay off their debts much quicker than the others. That's why I'm saying you really need to decide, are you paying off the lowest balance first or are you paying off the highest interest first? And then choose one of the, choose one of the two and then actually stick with it and stick with it throughout. It is mentally, um, as we are human beings, we are human, uh, emotional beings. So sometimes it may be that the highest interest debt that you have is let's say 200,000 rands. And you may be significantly demotivated if you're looking at the balance and uh, on a monthly basis, it looks like it's not going anywhere. So maybe in that case, it might be better to choose to pay off the lowest balance debt first so that psychologically you, you, you feel empowered and you feel like you, you're making actual progress towards paying off your debts. And then you finally get to the debt of 200,000 rands. But at a minimum, you're still making your, your minimum payments on that 200,000 rand debt. So I think that's, that's, that's definitely something that we should decide to do on and we should be resilient and stick to the method that we are choosing to go with. It's, it's actually called the snowball method and uh, the avalanche method. The avalanche method. interested in um, researching a bit further about it. And, and, and I wanted to just quickly um, address it just after the short break, and because we've got one of the questions uh, from Usani Lisiwe, who actually wants to know if it's better to start paying off the lowest debt or the debt with the highest interest rate. And as you're saying, you know, there's certainly a psychology around it and a different way to think about it. Um, you know, we're going to go for a quick commercial break. We're going to come back. I actually want us to look at why it was so important for us to understand our interest rates, because I did ask you about that earlier, because this is where it essentially comes in, when you decide which one you're going with first, and even calculating the potential, let's say, savings that you're making in the event that you're going with the highest 
um, interest first. I am, of course, in conversation with Ntarani Pondombela, who's a co-founder of Pondombela Properties. We're looking at the steps for getting out of debt when you're looking to buy a property. For we as a Roma, certainly want to hear from you around your debt management and payment strategies. If you've ever found yourself in a lot of debt, how did you go about getting out of it? We certainly want to share those tips with each other uh, because I'm sure a lot of us certainly want to you know, get into property and expand our property portfolios as much as possible. If you're now on the other end where you simply did have quite a lot of debt, you've paid it off and you're now able to better manage your debt, also share what tips you use to make sure that you're able to get out of that debt. We're going to be back just after this. You're making noise. Welcome back to episode 86 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantu Kumalo. This evening, we're talking about debt. Then debt is certainly one of those things that you cannot... Uh, you know, escape when you're looking to get into property, certainly when you're looking to even grow your property portfolio, managing your debt efficiently uh, is an important step into starting a property portfolio and certainly growing your property portfolio. And I'm joined by Ntarani Pondombela, who's a co-founder of Pondombela Properties. And we're looking at the different strategies, uh, you know, to get out of debt when you want to get into property. So you looked at understanding your debt and the importance of understanding your debt. Uh, so the amount of debt you have, how much interest you have on that debt, uh, tracking your spending. So even going as far as either using various apps that track spending, perhaps even downloading your bank statements and almost going through your bank statements line by line to see how exactly have you been spending your money in the past three or six months, because that gives you a sense of where the wastage is. I'm sure a lot of us sometimes just go around swiping without, you know, thinking around what we're doing with our money. And of course, uh, you know, we are taking comments and questions from our viewers at home. And, and I did say that before the break, one of the questions that have come in is from Uze, who asked, is it better to start paying off the lowest debt or debt with the highest interest rates? Perhaps, perhaps take us through I'll say the psychology around it, because we're looking at understanding the various interest rates on our debt, uh, because that's, of course, a very important step that we need to take. Perhaps take us through why that was important, because now when you have to decide between the snowball effect of paying off your debt versus the avalanche effect, this is where understanding that aspect becomes so important. Yeah, so basically um, what it says, it's it's what it says is that um, the, the avalanche method is basically saying you're going to pay off your highest interest debt first. And this mathematically will help you to reduce the amount of interest you'll be paying to your relative institutions. And it is the most cost effective uh, method of repaying your debt. However, depending on how your debts are structured, um, it may not always be the method that is the best for you, depending on the type of person you are. If you are someone who generally needs a bit of a push in the right direction and needs a bit of motivation every now and then, it might not be the best method. The best method might be the snowball method. This is where you're choosing to pay off your lowest balance debt first, and you gradually pay off the next highest debt and the next highest debt until you get to this lump sum of a debt. 
mind you, while you are doing this and during this process, you're still making the minimum payments on all your debts throughout, right? So the snowball method is more of a psychological win. You feel motivated, you feel pumped up that, hey, I just finished debt number one. I had 10 debts before, now I have nine debts. And now I have eight debts and now I have seven and so forth. And then eventually you see yourself having three debts when you had 10 before. This method might not be the most mathematically uh, conducive for you. So it might not be the method that is the, the mathematically correct, if you want to put it that way. It might not save you the most interest. However, it will ensure, I believe, that it will ensure that you finish paying off your debts because now you have that motivation, you have that push. But if you are a bit more strong-willed and you believe that, no, I want to pay off the debt, um, high interest debt first, then definitely go for that because that is the way to save you as much interest as possible. Another question that we've got here is from um, Kushida Kaja who asks, is it wiser to get into debt in your early 20s, especially for property, or should one save and get a bond later? So I think we all just need to look at our different finance finances and our financial positions because it might be best for you to get a property when you are young, early 20s. But I think there's certain costs that are related to purchasing a property that people need to understand as well. So even though the bank might give you a 100% loan, there are still other costs associated with owning the property. So you don't want to be put in a situation where I've actually seen it, where people get excited, just got their first job, and they're in the early 20s and the first thing they want to do maybe is buy a property which is amazing right they purchased the property and now they realize there's all these different costs your transfer costs that they need to pay that they didn't budget for that they did not know before now they have to go take out a credit card or use their overdraft to fund that so now you've just got a bond for 20 years and you just got a an expense you just got a credit card as well for 40 50 thousand rands because you have to pay all those upfront costs, which I think could have been avoided if you had previously budgeted accordingly and put yourself in a financial position where you can pay those costs upfront. But if you are, if you, so if you are in a position where you are able to purchase the property financially in your early twenties, then definitely, I think everybody should go for it. The earlier you start, the better. Another one here is from Unkala Bonisiwe Spoboza who asks, hi, I was on administration order um, and how long must I wait to start looking for a property? Sorry, could you please repeat the question? So she, she says that she was under administration and mm-hmm. how long, so the question is how long must you wait to start looking for a property? So I think if you're under administration, the first thing you need to realize is that you were not in a great um, financial position and your credit score has been is going to get hit significantly because of that. So you need to start paying off your debts and get that sorted out and not be under administration and then prove yourself to institutions that you are a credit worthy person. So it's 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 just a matter of proving yourself to the relevant institutions and building your credit record back again. So building our credit record is something that is available to everyone because it's not like you get blacklisted. There's no such thing as blacklisting anymore. And surprisingly enough, a lot of people don't know that, but there is no such thing as blacklisting. So the opportunity to build your credit score and build your credit record again is there. You know, another question that we've got here 
and, and it's one of those topics that we've we've spoken about. Um, this one is coming from Ukatleko Rakuluta, who asks: When you're married in community of property and want to buy the property, does your partner's debt have any negative impact on the purchase? Yes. So if you applying, um, if you're applying as a joint application, it will have an impact because they will look at you um, as an individual. They'll look at the two of you as one application. So they'll take your debts, his debt, and combine it, and they'll have a look at you guys as, as a unit, right? However, if you are applying for it separately, then they will look at you as an individual. If you're married in community of property, the issue of whose property does it belong to and all of that might be an issue maybe upon divorce, but in terms of uh, the banks, the banks will just look at who is on the application form and who is responsible for the bond. And if you are solely, if you are alone on the application form, then they're not going to look at your partner. And I think, you know, one of the, the, the recommendations that certainly give to viewers at home is to watch the conversation that we had um, just even this week with AXA on this particular one, we looked at joint property and the implications that it also has on people who are married in community of property. And there's, of course, the episode that we also had a few weeks ago, I also referenced in the Wednesday conversation that was around, um, you know, what happens when you're married in community of property? What can you, what can you not do? Uh, because they really are far reaching um, I say consequences to being married in community of property, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to property acquisitions and when you want to buy them in your personal capacity versus, for example, if you want to be buying them into a company. So understanding what they are and what's going to be required, what you're able to do as an individual, and what you're not able to do as an individual and what would need your partner's signature, for example, becomes so important. So do go back to those episodes uh, if you're married in community of property and want to better understand what it means for you when it comes to your property acquisition journey. Now, Nkaganipo, what else should we be, um, you know, be mindful of when we're looking to get out of property? I mean, rather getting out of debt um, in order to buy property. So if you're looking to get out of debt um, and purchase property, I think have the, have the end goal in mind, definitely. So envision yourself already purchasing your first home. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you to go around viewing properties. Um, with the intention of purchasing it one day. So if you are working towards purchasing your first property and you are struggling with debt, I think one thing that will bring your spirits higher is if you start browsing around. I've seen and heard of many people who are looking at houses that cost millions and millions of rands, houses they'd never be able to afford. But that's something that keeps them going, you know? So definitely keep your spirits high, keep go out and view properties. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. By the time you're ready to purchase the property, you have an idea of what properties look like, how much properties cost. You would have spoken to enough estate agents to know exactly um, all the different costs that are associated with owning the property as well. So definitely I would recommend that because there's nothing more demotivating than there's nothing that can get someone actually into and like cause them to have anxiety and depression like debt. That is, debt is one of um, the, the the one of the things that actually make people fall into depression. So don't allow that to happen to yourself. Pick up your spirits, go out and view properties you can't afford, <laughs> and then one day when you can you when you can afford it, you'll be smart enough and you'll have the knowledge and know all the costs that. Um, are involved in owning that property. 
And of course, you can go to www.privateproperty.co.za to view some of those properties, as Nkagenibo says, that you cannot afford yet. Yes. This, of course, being the operative word. Now, Nkagenibo, before I let you go, any final tips you have? Um, and, and I'll split it into two. Firstly, for uh, you know, people who are starting to work out or just started working rather and perhaps have gotten into debt or are considering getting into debt, what kind of things should they be thinking about, especially if they have property ambitions down the line? And then secondly, people who have already been working for quite a number of years are currently in debt and also do have property ambitions uh, about how they should be thinking about certainly their debt management journey uh, before they even acquire their property or even while acquiring their property. Because I think we, you certainly are able to get you know, property and multiple properties at that while you currently have debt. So there certainly shouldn't be a misconception that you can't do one without the other. Yes, I actually, that's actually something that um, I completely agree with that. Just because you have debt does not mean you cannot purchase property. Um, you just need to make sure that you can afford it if you're purchasing it for um, your, your, yourself. And if it's for investment purposes, then you just need to make sure that you've done the proper due diligence on the property and the area to make sure that the expected rental income is really what it is. And you factor in things, all the expenses that are associated with owning it. And what I like to actually factor in with, for investment purposes is um, vacancy and uh, future repairs and maintenance. These are costs that don't directly come out of your pockets immediately, but they will come out of your pockets and will surprise you when it actually does happen. So just because you have a tenant who signed a 12 month lease does not necessarily mean firstly that they will actually be there for 12 months because tenants, um, because financial uh, troubles do come along and they might move out before then for whatever reason, or they, you might, the lease will expire and then you might struggle to find a tenant for a month or two. So that vacancy period is something you need to be prepared for financially. And if you are expecting, if you are um, expecting to purchase a property in the next few years and you are very young or you've been working for a couple of years, thinking about getting into debt, I think you should think about getting into the right types of debt. Um, I always say that, uh, if you are starting out and you need some sort of credit record so that you can get bond financing, always make sure that when you are obtaining this credit, it's never for irresponsible purchases. It's always for purchases that you would have normally made anyway. And you literally only have that credit facility just so that you can build the credit record, just so you can build, um, just so you can show a track record of being a good payer of your debts because the banks are going to need some sort of evidence to show that you are someone who is reliable you are someone who they can give financing to who is not going to give them a headache and the better your credit record the better interest rates you, you you stand to get with the different banks so if you are looking to get into any types of debt make sure that it's debts that are for something that you can afford and something you would have purchased cash anyway so it's not something, you're not deciding to go to Louis Vuitton and swipe your credit card there. <laughs> and if you are someone who's been working for a few years and now all of a sudden you're thinking, listen, I'm in a lot of debt. However, I want to start out in property. Have a look at your different options. Look at how much debt you're in. Because just because you have debt doesn't mean you can't start out in property. You, your debt may be manageable. You don't have to have zero debts across board 
across all boards just so you can start out and purchase your first bond. Go to the bank, get pre-qualified, and actually see, hear from the bank themselves and stop making assumptions for you and stop making assumptions. If you see that the bank is not willing to loan you money because maybe you do have too much debt, then you start entering into the repayment methods that we spoke about previously, where you now are actively making an effort to repay your debts, slowly building your credit score and um, showing that you're a good payer of your debts. Laganipo, we're going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Zama. Good night. And that is Und Laganipo Ndombela, who's the co-founder of Ndombela Properties. I do hope that if you are struggling with debt, this episode has certainly helped you better think through how to tackle your debt management and repayment strategies. And of course, if you haven't gotten a lot of debt, you certainly now understand the different things that you should be mindful of, especially if you have property ambitions. And understanding this certainly does help on your property journey, because whether, you know, you've got a little bit of debt or quite a substantial amount of debt, uh, you know, we're seeing earlier that that typically doesn't stop you from acquiring property. So you're still able to access the property uh, market, even though you are in debt, but knowing how to manage the debt that you already have when getting uh, you know, your new property or properties does become an important thing to do. And understanding how to manage your debt, tracking your spending and being as frugal, certainly as humanly possible, is of course something that is important. We're going to leave it there for this evening. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll be announcing the winner of that 1,000 Rand cash prize with the woman that they nominated. We're going to be back just after this. Welcome back to episode 86 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandunga Kumalo. It is the time of the evening where we announce our lucky winners. Well, of course, we did say that we were running a competition where we are celebrating women. We asked you as our community to nominate a woman for the Private Property Courageous Women Award Certificate. And we wanted to hear the stories of love, power, and strength, uh, you know, for the women that you are going to be nominating. And of course, both you and the woman that you nominated stood a chance of walking away with a 1,000 rand cash price. And we do have a winner. We've gone through your exceptionally beautiful posts and nominations. And this is who the winner is. Before I announce who it is, as usual, we'll read through what she had to say about the woman that she is nominating. And she writes, when you meet and get to know her, she becomes the reason that you start believing in the goodness of people. She has the ability to see people, to appreciate their essence, and to make them feel worthwhile. She truly listens. She is calm, strong, compassionate, wise, with a loving heart and a peaceful spirit. I want to honor and celebrate Kelsa van Brockel for being the sunlight in so many lives, for always making time to stop and talk to strangers and for believing in good, integrity, honesty, and miracles, for appreciating art, books, cakes, and coffee sessions, and who make 
who and who has a heart of gold. She is committed, enthusiastic, always glowing, and truly deserving the Private Property Courageous Woman Certificate. And that lovely post was written by Celeste Brown. Congratulations to Celeste Brown and, of course, Kelsey van Breda, who is the woman that she nominated for our award. We certainly do congratulate you. And that 1,000 Rand cash price is coming to both of you. And I did promise earlier on in the show that we're so overwhelmed with the great messages that a lot of you at home shared about the wonderful women in your lives that we're also going to be giving away one gig of data to the following participants. Uh, we've got Colleen Janssen, um, who messaged us on Facebook. We've got Uslu Nile Lili Njogon, who messaged us on Facebook as well. And we've got Umangoba Masango on YouTube. Uh, Jacqueline Lynette Mtomba on Facebook, as well as Des Ruli on YouTube. We do ask that um, these winners for the one gig of data inbox us so that we can verify their details and send them through that data. Well, congratulations to all our winners. And of course, to so many of you, thank you so much for sharing the wonderful stories about the different women in your life. We do hope that you're going to continue celebrating women in your lives in the best way that you think is possible. And that brings us to the end of the Private Property Podcast for this week. And we'll be back again on Monday with the next edition of the Private Property Podcast. And as usual over the weekend, you've got Chad on the Developer Show. So do stay tuned with watching what some of the country's best developers have on show for you. And of course, if you're interested in moving into or certainly buying in any of those estates, you can go to privateproperty.co.za to look through the amazing uh, properties that they have listed. And as usual, uh, that certainly does bring an end to our show this evening. And of course, I'm hoping that you are going to be staying home and staying safe. And I'll see you again on Monday. Hi, I'm Mohamed Zaboy, and I'm an entrepreneur from Soweto. Soweto's come a long way, from a small township to a mini city of its own. Soweto's got some really, really nice suburbs, like Deep Cliff Extension, but the locals call it Deep Cliff Expensive. Orlando's known as a suburb that had the first brick houses built in Soweto. Orlando Stadium for its iconic games between Kaiser Cheese and Pirates. And most importantly, Villagazi Street, where Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu resided. To the west of Soweto, you find suburbs of Dobsonville and Protea. These two suburbs are actually very cosmopolitan, fresh, young, and very new. Right next door to Soweto, we have a neighboring suburb, which is Aldorado Park. For a little adventure and a little fun, Soweto's got so many night spots, from the news cafe at Mamponya Mall, to your Villagazi Street Sakumzis, to just chilling at Chafpozi just between the towers and having a simple bright face, Chisanyama. Something very close to my heart is actually seeing people move back into Soweto, growing businesses, remodeling homes. It merely says to us that Soweto is a growing city. There's way more to this place than what we think. Soweto needs to be discovered daily. I'm so proud to call Soweto my home, and this is my neighborhood.